welcome all of you this evening, and especially if you're a guest with us this evening, we are happy to have you in service with us tonight. And again, I realize that uh, a number of you are here specifically for um, baby dedication, supporting friends and family, and we welcome you as a part of this evening. If you're watching us online, we welcome you as well. And um, just just by way of brief, very brief explanation, I realize some religions believe in infant baptism, um, but... We don't really believe that's the biblical basis for baptism. Baptism should be a choice by a person that understands their need for it. And uh, if there's anyone that doesn't need to be baptized yet, it's the innocent infant. But we do believe and believe there's some principles in Scripture for dedicating our children to the Lord. And uh, that's what we're going to do here this evening. So if you're able to stand and you would do so, I'm going to ask you to do that as as I read a few verses here. And uh, I I just want to say, again, I realize um, some of you are guests, and I realize there's some of you that this may be your first time uh, to ever be in an apostolic service. And um, so I realize it may be different, all of this so far, and more may be different, Uh, but But I I have, for the last several years when we do baby dedications, it's also become somewhat of an opportunity to challenge not only those that are dedicating children, but really all families and especially parents. Uh, I've heard it said many times, and, and I believe there is truth to it, that strong families build strong churches. In fact, I believe part of the issue in society today is the breakdown of families. And um, that that is a very important part of the church. And so I realize that, um, again, some of you, you, you're not here for some long sermon, and I'll try to do my best to keep it short. I was going to say short and sweet, but that doesn't seem to be the pattern right now. So, But I, um, I as always, I have listen to the best of my ability for direction from the Lord for this evening and a couple of different things I was thinking, but I'm actually going to use some scriptures that I just used on Friday. I spoke at the men's conference Friday and I just have really felt strongly that I'm supposed to use these verses again. It'll be a little bit of a different message this evening than it was on Friday, but you would turn to Joshua chapter 7. I'm going to read several verses here. I'm going to start with verse number 19. Just just to give you a little bit of context for those of you maybe that are not very familiar with what we're about to read. The children of Israel have come out of Egypt after hundreds of years of bondage. They've spent 40 years in the wilderness wandering around. They've crossed over the Jordan River into the land that God had promised them. They fought their first battle, which was the battle of Jericho. And and then they went and fought the next battle, which was the battle of Ai. And uh, the first battle was a great victory. The second battle, uh, 30-something guys lost their lives, which seems to, you know, 30-something's not a huge number unless that's your husband or your dad or your son 
or your brother or your best friend. And so this is, this is kind of picking up. In fact, it's the earlier part of chapter 7 that talks about this battle uh, and the defeat that they experienced at Ai. And so verse number 19 says, Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what hast thou done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. Can I just pause for a moment just just to insert here? The way God deals with you when you initiate confessing, when you initiate repenting, is different than the way God deals with you when He basically has to sort of force you to. Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment, and again, context here to understand the importance of this verse. Before they went in to fight the battle of Jericho, the Lord gave Joshua specific instructions, and he gave those instructions to the children of Israel that the first battle they fought... The spoils, all of the spoils of that battle belonged to the Lord. It was kind of common that you had spoils from war, and so you took things from the battle. You, you had some rewards from the battle, but the Lord said, this first battle, everything belongs to me. And so that's the importance, the significance of this verse. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment... 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted them and I took them and behold they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran unto the tent and behold it was hid in his tent and the silver under it and they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord and Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his burden bearing animals and his sheep and his tent and all that he had and they brought them unto the valley of Accor and Joshua said why hast thou troubled us The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Accor unto this day. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this evening as a part of this baby dedication on this subject. It's not all about you. It's not all about you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the privilege of being here this evening. Thank you for another opportunity to join together to worship you, to lift up your name. What a great privilege and opportunity it is to be able to worship you, Lord to be able to know the power of your spirit, the power of your presence, the significance of your name. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, thank you for this evening, this special time that takes place every so often where we bring precious children, infants to you, God, as an act of commitment and dedication to you. 
God, I pray that over the next few moments as we transition in this service that you would speak not only to the parents that are here tonight to dedicate their children, but I pray to, to every parent, really, Lord, I pray to every for every individual here that you would speak to us tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let me just quickly say, in case somebody here is not all that familiar with the Scripture, these sound like some very harsh verses. (laughs) I will tell you, God is first and foremost a God of mercy. In fact, in one place, the Scripture said, the Lord says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Not only does God take no pleasure when the innocent suffer, He doesn't even take pleasure when those that deserve it. You know, some of us have probably thought about someone at some point in time when bad things happen to them. We've thought, maybe even said, well, they had it coming. Or, well, they got what they deserved. Can I tell you, God's attitude about us is never that way. Because He loves to show grace and mercy. And when He executes judgment, you can be certain that He has first tried to show mercy. So here it is that Achan has willingly chosen to disregard a very specific command from God. You see, there are, there are things that we believe today of, as far as right or wrong that are not written specifically in the Bible. I I believe there's things in the Bible that govern or should govern what we watch. But you're not going to find any, there's nothing in the Bible that that says thou shalt not watch PG-13 or worse. But there are principles throughout Scripture that if we apply those principles, it should affect us. But you see, what took place in this story was was not a command that had to be interpreted. It was a very specific, clear-cut command, don't take anything. Everything belongs to me, the Lord said, in this first battle. I want you to notice in verse number 21, what is the pronoun that is used the most? You put that verse, got it, thank you. I saw, I coveted, and then basically it's not necessary with the way grammar works, but really you could say, I them. I saw, I coveted, I took them. The word saw, S-A-W there, is basically saw. I saw it, there it was, I noticed it, I looked at it. But then the word covet is a little bit different. Because actually there's a little bit more in the words I saw than just simply I saw it. 
The word I saw in the Hebrew, which is the original language of the Old Testament, means to look at, to inspect, to perceive, to consider, to learn about, to observe. So it it was more than just looking and looking away. He looked and 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 he and he looked even more. And and then he went to another level though because at first he just saw but then he said I I coveted. I went from seeing the word covet means to desire to take pleasure in. So I went from just looking at and observing to now wanting. Kind of sounds like what happened in the beginning of the Bible. In the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and the Lord had given specific instruction to them that out of every tree that is in the garden, you can freely eat except for one tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord says, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Bible says of Eve that, that she saw it. And then she realized it was good for food. She, she started looking at it. I, the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of details it, uh, as far as this story goes. It doesn't spell out the time frame. But I really believe that, that this was not the first time that, that, the, that the, the day that Eve took a bite of that forbidden fruit was not the first time she ever looked at the tree. I, I personally believe that there was probably a lot of days that Eve never even thought about that tree. And if she happened to pass by the spot in the garden where that tree was, that she just simply kept walking and didn't think about it because she knew the Lord says, any tree but that tree. I think over the course of time, it may be in, in, in just, just my opinion, my theory, so hear me. I'm not saying this is absolute certain. But I just kind of imagine that over the course of time, she walked by that tree one day, and just, just for a moment, wasn't a long pause, but she just, she just kind of stopped for a second and looked at it and kept going. And then the next time, it was a little bit longer. Until finally, she observed it so much and decided, I want it. Doesn't matter what God said, I want it. And in essence, that's the same thing that Achan did. Doesn't matter what God said. I saw it. I desired it. And I took it. And the implication is he didn't think twice about anybody else. It was all about what he desired. It was all about what he saw. You know why we've got so one of the reasons, I'm not saying it's the only one, but you know what I think one of the fundamental reasons why we have so many issues in our world today Because so many people are living based on I. What do I want? What do I desire? What do I think is best for me? And if there is any single thing in life that changes your life drastically, it is the birth of a child. 
I mean, when you get married, there are some things that change. There are some things that should change. But if you've been dating and, and you know, you've been, you, you, you've been developing a relationship from a godly perspective, there's some things you shouldn't be doing before marriage that you can do after marriage. I'll just leave that right there. And, and so there is some changes. I'm not minimizing because one of the other things that changes your life the most is marriage. But in some ways, I would almost say that having a child changes your life more drastically than getting married. Because at least, hopefully, you got two fairly level-headed adults course, oh boy, I'm going to get in trouble here. One of the biggest challenges of parenting an infant, a newborn, is trying to figure out what's wrong. I I know what I'm about to say, and I'm still going to say it even though I can't believe I'm going to say it. (laughs) Trying to figure out what's wrong with with an infant is because they can't tell you. One of the biggest One of the biggest challenges of being a husband, trying to figure out what's wrong. Because just like you're supposed to instinctively know what's wrong with the crying infant, you're supposed to instinctively know what's wrong with a silent wife. And if you act like you know when you don't know, and she realizes you're acting like you don't know when you do, you're dead. <laughs> and if you willingly, voluntarily acknowledge you don't know, you're, it's kind of like the lepers sitting outside the city that day. We go in the city, we die. We go to the enemy's camp, we die. Uh, I hope the live stream is not working. It probably is. Bottom line is there's really no way to be a good husband or a good wife if your first and foremost pronoun is I. But it's definitely impossible to be a good parent if your number one pronoun is I. If it's all about you. You 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 take the back burner. And you know what? There, there's, there's several ways in which we know that. But I've come to challenge some, some parents here for a few moments this evening. There's some other ways that you need to make sure you're mindful of that. Because if you're not careful like Aiken, you can make some decisions that are based on what you see, what you want, what's mess, what's, what pleases you. But the problem is there's consequences. In the Bible, for those of you that are not that familiar with this, in the Bible, in the Old Testament especially, we find a number of examples where there is very, there's great significance in the, in the meaning of a name. For, for, for my experience, for the most part in today's world, is 
you, you know, some people use family names and they name their children after family names and other people, they just got names they like or they used to, you used to, you could, you don't need to buy them anymore because you can just go online, but they used to have these little books that about that big, they were booked for girls' names and boys' names and you could get those and just read through there until you find one you like. But a lot of times in Scripture that wasn't the case because there was meaning to a name. Sometimes there was positive meaning. I mean, the name David means beloved. The name Isaac meant laughter. It was a little bit of an eye roll over here, Brother Isaac. I, I don't know, I don't know what Aiken's parents were thinking when they named him. Unless they were thinking somehow what his name meant would work for the good. Because do you know what the name Aiken basically means? Basically means one who troubles. He was a troubler. So in some ways, it's no surprise that this story happens the way it does because Achan was a troubler. But the trouble that he caused, because he decided there's a garment, there's gold, there's silver, I want them, he took them and hid them. Now the the Bible doesn't, tell us clearly, and and as I've studied out these verses, I've found varying opinions on this. Some, Some scholars think that his family knew what he did. They think that his family knew he hid these things in his in the tent and that they were aware and 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 but I, I have to tell you I'm 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 of the opinion that they didn't. You say, well, if he dug up the ground in his tent, surely. How many things go on in our world today hidden right under people's noses that you'd think? So I I, I can't prove it. I don't know of any specific evidence one way or the other. As I often say, if you've got it and you can help me, I'm open-minded to hear it. But I, I don't know where it specifically says. But here's what I do know. That when it came time for Achan to be judged, it wasn't just Achan who suffered the consequences of his, of his choice to take the garment, the gold, and the silver. Judgment did not come just on Achan. His entire household suffered the consequences. And I wonder how many family members have had to suffer the consequences of an Achan who saw something they wanted and decided, you know, I, I know God said this. I know this was what was commanded, but... I like it, I want it, I'm taking it. I don't know about you, dads, but I don't want to be a troubler in my household. I don't know about you, husbands, but I don't want to be a troubler in my household. I I, I don't want to be the source and the cause of judgment coming upon my family because I saw 
I coveted, I took. It's not just about you. It's not just about your choices, your decisions, but again, especially those of you that are here this evening to dedicate children, but also to all parents, there is a God-given responsibility that the choices you make and the way you live, it's not just about you. The Bible says tells us about David and David's sin, adultery, and child that comes from that relationship. God, David repents. God forgives David. To my knowledge, we only know of one instance where David committed adultery. The interesting thing to me is that Solomon, who was born from that relationship, had a major issue with women. Hundreds, I think, if I'm not, hundreds of wives and concubines. There's some things I promise you about Scripture I cannot explain, so don't ask me. It seems, and, and I'm not saying every situation is, is this, that this is the case, so hear me. But I believe very strongly that many times the heart of a parent is reflected in the actions of the child. Oh, hallelujah. We'll say it again. That the heart of a parent is reflected in the actions of a child. You see, I've, I've watched families that have been a part of the church, kids that were born in church, raised in church, that ended up walking away from the church. And for years it would puzzle me until some things started coming to the surface. And sometimes what you would find out would be that the parents, some of whom were involved in leadership, senior positions of leadership, what you would find out is you'd start to learn some things about their attitude. You'd, you'd start to hear that while they were doing all the right things and following all the guidelines, their attitude about it. Oh, if, if you're a guest here this evening, I, I don't really preach like this all the time. Sometimes it's worse. I, I'm not here to go through a mo I'm not here to go through a cute little religious exercise this evening. If all you've come to do is just a, some kind of little ceremony, and I, I'm very sorry, I, I have an eternal responsibility. I'm not here to just check a box that we did some kind of duty and. And you know we'll we'll we we now if you want it we'll take out I love taking pictures with the kids that are dedicated and the families and all that wonderful stuff but but we're not here for just a ceremonial thing 
This is too important. Eternity is too long to just go through the motions and play a little game just to, just to do something that's cute. Again, please hear me. I, don't, I, I know some of, you, some of you got backslidden kids. I'm not sitting here trying to point fingers at you. Please don't, please, I am here challenging those that still have chance. I'm challenging those that are about to bring children to this altar in a few minutes. And I'm challenging some that still have little kids that are living in their house and still growing up. So I'm not trying to make anybody mad. I am trying to challenge some. I beg you tonight, don't just check all the boxes and do the things that you're supposed to do. But then sit around in front of your kids and gripe about how you hate doing it and can't, but I can't. I can't believe we got to go to church again tonight. I, I can't believe we got to do this. I can't believe we got to do that because you may successfully continue doing those things, but I, I plead with you that what might get reflected in the heart of the child, or excuse me, in the actions of the child, may be what was in your heart. Most of you know, those of you that may not know here tonight, my parents started this church in 1970. They came to this town, drove into this town with $300 in their pocket. And even in 1970, that's not really a lot of money. Here we are today, and I now have the privilege of pastoring this congregation at our main location. And I got to tell you, I, I don't really, I can't tell you that I specifically remember it all. But I do know that the first several years of my life, that things were, things were pretty tight. There wasn't a whole lot of money. My parents were just getting by. We never went on vacation. And I think my dad feels bad about this, but there's no need for him to feel bad about it, and especially because of the point that I'm about to make. Every year there is an offering that the organization we're a part of takes called Christmas for Christ. And the purpose of that offering is to raise money for, for, for new churches to be started. Actually millions of dollars are given every year by churches all across this country, North America. And for at least the first nine years of my life, actually I think, Maybe a couple more than that. But we never celebrated Christmas. We didn't decorate. We didn't do any of those things. We didn't exchange gifts. And the reason was, primary reason was, whatever money my parents had, they took and gave to that offering. This church was blessed by that offering. We received for several years or a year, I think it was, funds from that. And so for years... It wasn't until after my brother was born. We're almost nine years apart, and so I, I think it was a couple years after that that we started actually celebrating Christmas time. I, I can remember as a kid walking through the stores at Christmas time, seeing all the decorations, seeing the Christmas trees for sale, seeing all the Christmas decor for sale. And wishing and wanting for us to have those things in our house and decorate and celebrate. We didn't do it. Again, I think it was somewhere around 10 or 11, 12 at the latest, I think, when we started. But I can tell you standing here this evening, there is not one single bit of resentment 
because, and the reason is, I believe, is because the heart with which my parents did it. Because they didn't do it and then transmit an attitude that I was, you know what, I'm sorry, we got we to gotta do this and we don't have a choice and I know it's rough, and, but this is, that wasn't the attitude. And I believe with all of my heart, I obviously at 50 years old, I got to make decisions on my own and live my life and all of that stuff. But I stand here tonight with absolute certainty that one of the reasons that I am here and one of the reasons that I grew up in church and stayed in the church is because I am a reflection of what was in the heart. Not the actions, but what was in the heart. I challenge every parent Tonight, again, especially every parent that lives with children that are still in your home. It won't happen consciously. But I'm going to tell you tonight, not only from my own experience, but observation through the years of many different situations. Those precious children that God has entrusted you with are going to be a reflection, not of your actions, but of your heart. I don't think I'm anywhere near the greatest worshiper, but I think I do a decent job worshiping. If you've been around here very long, you can can point to where that comes from. For 35 years, my mother led worship. From the organ. And it was her heart. It wasn't her actions. It was the heart that was transmitted. The Lord told the children of Israel that there would be either Blessings or curses on multiple generations. That on those that chose to live according to His Word and follow His commandments, there would be blessings on generation after generation. I'm a living witness to that. I got a grandmother, my last living grandparent. I've got a grandmother in her 90s now. Since she was a young child, basically, has been a living for God. I've actually got some great grandparents. My kids are living off of blessings from past generations. I'm so thankful that I've had a godly heritage of people who weren't living life just for themselves and what they wanted, what pleased them, but they were willing to live a life according to what God wanted. I've never gotten, and unless she's holding out on us, I don't anticipate whenever my grandmother passes from this life, there's not thousands and thousands of dollars of an inheritance that's waiting on me. But I do know what I'm living with the blessing of 
is only God knows. I mean this, this is not hyperbole. Only God knows the thousands of times my grandmother has called my name in prayer and my family's name in prayer. And I got to tell you tonight, you can, you can believe it if you want to or not, but if, you ha- if I had the choice of an inheritance of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars or the inheritance of the godly life and the blessings that are from that, I will take the blessings of that any day over the other because the bottom line is all of that is temporary and passes away but all of the other is not just impacting me now and it is but it is impacting my eternity moms, dads are you struggling in your walk with God are you leaning back and forth between whether you're going to be all in this thing or if you're getting out it's not all about you It's not all about you. If you're here this evening, those of you, if you're about to dedicate your children and you can, and you, maybe you're saying in light of what I just said, well, pastor, that's great for you, but I don't have what you had. Oh, let me tell you something. God can pour out blessings on you and begin that process. And here's the, I'm on a, I'm on a mess I'm going to mess with something. I, 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 I really didn't pretend to preach very long this evening. I've gone past. I promise you, I'm trying to get done. I'm about to mess with something some of you probably are not going to agree with me on. But I got to tell you, I'm not so sure how much I believe in these generational curses on children of God. I believe that when you were born again, when you went down in the waters in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, the blood drew a line in the sand. The blood said, no more. No more. No more. Everything changes at the cross. Everything changes when the blood of Jesus is applied. And there are people who are smarter than me that they've written books about generational curses for and how you I, I just I think the blood you say, well, what about, what about that statement that curses upon other generations? The blood. Because that was the Old Testament when he said that. So I think the blessings still flow from generation to generation to generation. But I think the blood steps in on the curses. Because when you're, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. When you are born again of the water and of the Spirit, you get a new name. You get a new DNA. You got a new father. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Most of you are already doing it. The rest of you, would you stand? If you're here this evening and you've come to dedicate your child, your baby, I'm inviting you to come right now. If you are family or friends of someone that is dedicating their child this evening, we welcome you, invite you to come stand with the family of the children that are being dedicated so once you get down here, we may, depending on the size of groups, we, we may need you to kind of spread it out a little bit to, to give a little bit of room to everybody. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just just by way of explanation, again, if you've never been a part of this before, but in just a moment, I'm going to take this bottle of oil and as a as a symbol going to go through and I'm going to anoint each one of these children that we are dedicating as a as a demonstration of what we're doing. And then if I could get the, uh, if you're a licensed minister, you would please come and stand down here. If you'd kind of spread out around here in front of these children. Know that last part I was just preaching about earlier as I was we were going in this service I, I don't know all your story I don't know what you've been through I'm just going to tell you God has given you a new beginning and that baby is not an accident and God's hand is on your life and it's going to be on his life and I believe if you'll just keep doing what you're doing as he grows, it will amaze you the things that God ends up doing in and through his life. In Jesus' name, I, 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 I think I know most of you that are having your children dedicated, so please help me out. I don't want to miss any. So if, if, I, if I start to walk by, just make sure I know who all's supposed to get dedicated here Again, once once I anoint the children, if you would uh, you would begin to pray, elders begin to pray with them. I'm going to ask you as a congregation to stretch your hand forth, and if you would join us in praying for these children and these families right now, in Jesus.
pray for every one of these children God tonight we give them back to you Lord you gave them to us but we give them back to you God we're just the stewards of these lives you have entrusted them into our care but we acknowledge that we cannot do anything without you Father I pray your hand of protection on each one of these children tonight God you know this world that they have been born into you know all of the challenges. You know the ungodliness that is in our world today. I pray, God, that you would guard them and keep them. I pray, God, that you would protect them and preserve them from every attempt of the enemy, God, every weapon of the enemy, Lord. I plead your blood upon them tonight in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, for every one of these parents, Lord, that you would give them wisdom and guidance, that you would give them discernment that they need to raise these children, God, in a way that is pleasing to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. We trust in you tonight, God. We trust in your guidance. We trust in your grace and your mercy, Lord. In the name of Jesus. 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 We trust in your grace tonight, Father. We trust in your grace to work in every one of these lives, Lord. In the name of Jesus, guard them, keep them, preserve them. God, I pray that you would give your angels charge to keep watch over them. In the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Trusting your favor tonight, God. We trust in your favor tonight, God. Your favor. We need your favor, God. We want your favor, God. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Go before you. And behind you, and beside you, surround every child, surround every family with your presence, Lord. Surround them with your presence, Lord. Surround them with your presence, Lord. Jesus, now. He is for you. 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 He is for you.
blessings tonight. Thank you for your blessings on every family tonight. Let them flow on every generation as you have promised, Lord. Fulfill your word. Fulfill your promises. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. One more time, I just want to thank all of you that have come, and especially if you're not a part of this congregation, but you've come to participate this evening with someone's child being dedicated. Thank you so much for for coming tonight. And uh, for those of you that would like to, you'd like to get a picture with your family together, and uh, I would be privileged to join in that picture. You could just kind of take turns here in just a moment coming up on the platform. We've got a photographer here, and... Um, we will make arrangements in the future to provide you with the photos of this evening. God bless you. 